Now this morning on the third hour of today, too close to call. Control of the House and Senate hanging in the balance as votes continue to be counted. We're live with the latest election results, key races, and reaction from both parties. Plus, how did it come to this? The highly anticipated new season of The Crown released overnight. Our Keira Simmons sits down with the cast. The revenge dress. She definitely decided to make a statement. Then she made it with signature stripes. How three women turned the classic look into a booming fashion brand. And 30-minute meals. We're going to get you ready for the easiest Thanksgiving ever. And today, food on this Wednesday, November 9th, 2022. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza, this is the third hour of today. And a good Wednesday. Welcome to this third hour today. Craig Melvin, Dylan Dreyer, Chanel Jones is here. Mr. Roker uh, is off today. Busy election That's morning. an understatement. Busy Absolutely. election morning with the biggest question, of course, right now, which party will control Congress that question still unknown at this yeah. hour. And the reason? Well, some races are just still too close to call at this hour. All right, so let's take a look at where things stand at the moment. In the House, 218 seats needed to have majority control. And here's the latest NBC News projection. This is as of now at 9 a.m. on the East Coast. And control of the Senate is also close right now, with several races still undecided. Though NBC News projects the Democrats have flipped one seat in Pennsylvania. So for more on where all of it stands right now we start with our senior Washington correspondent, Hallie Jackson. So here's the thing. I mean, Lay it th- on me, there China. had been this talk of this big wave yes. for weeks now. For Republicans. Republicans have been predicting this. We haven't seen a big red wave so far. So at this at this particular point, 902 on the East Coast, what's the likelihood of Republicans taking control of the House? I think the best way to explain this, can we pull back up that House graphic that you just showed, okay. Janelle? Because I think this is kind of confusing if people look at it because they're like, well, wait a second, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. The most important number you need to know for the projection here, right? If we show where it is. And I think it was Republicans 220 plus minus 10, which basically means, right? Look at this. Here's what you need to know about this graph. Jump ball right now in the House of Representatives, right? Now, Steve Kornacki will get into some numbers and tell you that, hey, there's still vote out in New York State. So it's, it's it looks like Republicans could still certainly take the majority, okay. meaning they take over control of the House of Representatives. But the talk, Craig, to your point before this morning had been like, could they could they have like a 30 seat majority? Sure. Could they have a 25 seat majority? It looks like it's going to be way smaller than that. Why does that matter? Right. Who cares? Like uh, political nerds love it. But like, why should people, human beings mm-hmm. care? Because it matters for governing. Right. Because if Republicans do take over control, Kevin McCarthy will probably end up being the next speaker of the House. Mm-hmm. And if he only has a small margin, that means he is much more uh, beholden or having to wrangle the more far right members of his caucus mm-hmm. to get them on board with policy changes. Sure. Right. He doesn't have as many sort of Republican members to be able to negotiate with, talk with, whatever, okay. to get past what they want passed. And that's what's going to that's what's going to matter from the like governance, sure. real people perspective. So that's the House. What about the Senate? We're still keeping a close eye on Georgia for for example, results are still sure. too close to call. Um, but if that race ends up going into a runoff, I mean, could this be happy election December? month? 
Yes, December 6th, in fact. We're going to be talking about this for the next four weeks, and I'll probably be back up in New York with all of you on December 6th talking about this. But here's what could be really interesting is Nevada, right? Because Jacob Zoboroff's been doing some great reporting from out of Nevada talking about how the count is probably going to be slow, but it may not be as slow as Georgia, right? So we may see Nevada, and if Nevada goes Democrat, that's kind of ballgame right there, right? Because the way that the numbers are shaking out, that would basically, if you look at where things are, that that would make Dems feel good. That's not the case. You just saw those numbers. Adam Laxalt, the Republican candidate in that race. Again, we are not calling it. There's no projection there, but is ahead, at least at the moment. So Nevada is one that we're really watching for because it does seem the Georgia secretary of state has already said, like, hey, we think this is going to a runoff in Georgia. We think we're looking at December. Um, But but, you know, again, I think I had heard from some folks before Election Day, like they're like, yeah, 54 seats for Republicans in the Senate. And that's not where this ballgame is. What were some of the key issues on the ballot that voters were most concerned? Well, we saw from the exit polls, it was the economy. Economy and inflation, which yeah. is not unexpected. Also, abortion access was a real driver um, and crime and some of these other issues that we knew were going to be an issue. But here's what's interesting. You'd think, well, wait a second. Inflation is super high. Sure. We talk about the economy all the time. That is an area where Republicans have an advantage. So it would suggest, right, if a bunch of people are coming out and casting mm-hmm. ballots on economy, that mm-hmm. Republicans would do better. But that's not really what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Right. Which which then you ask the question, well, why not? Is it that Democrats had a lot of enthusiasm and were motivated to vote day of, which we, by the way, saw mm-hmm. because of for example, abortion access, or possibly could it be the Trump factor? Donald Trump was out a bunch in those last four or five days before the election. Is it possible? And we've seen in our polling when there's a lot of Trump in the headlines, but Donald Trump, you see a lot of Democrats really motivated to come out. It was interesting Interesting. to see what happened down in Florida, though. What a night for Governor Ron DeSantis. Yeah. 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 So good. You're so good at what you do. Thank you. So are you. Maybe you can get a nap today. (laughs) All right. Let's head over to NBC national political correspondent Steve Kornacki, still at the big board for us. Text to the big a cot, like right He's behind there. Uh, so your morning after, yeah. All right, so Steve, let's take a look at the balance of power in the House here. Uh, what is NBC News projecting for where things likely will end up when all the results are counted? Yeah, so Hallie was just getting to this. The magic number is 218, what you need to have control of the House. And our NBC model right now, which has just been looking at results from district after district and trying to play out the scenarios, our model says Republicans will land at 220 plus or minus 10 seats. So in other words, there's a scenario here, certainly, where Republicans get past that 218, maybe get into the 220s, but there still exists, the morning after the election, a scenario where Democrats end up at 218 or higher and retain the House. So control of the House is unsettled this morning, which, as you're saying, coming into yesterday, that was not on anybody's radar that right. we'd be in this situation. Do we know yet. how long it's going to take for some of these some of these votes to be counted, Steve? Yeah. So there's two states, two big states that loom particularly large in, this, in, in the count here. One we're going to get some clarity on potentially today. That's New York State. OK. There are five Democratic held districts, five in New York State that are actually in danger of all going to the Republicans. So Democrats are, are hoping to stem their losses in those five districts in New York. Then California. And California has six Republican-held seats that Democrats are targeting. California's vote count will take probably a month. So if if the numbers in some of these New York races and places on the East Coast break a certain way, we could be waiting on those districts in California, and that wait could be weeks. Hmm. All right, so that's the House. Now break down the Senate. Yeah, so on the Senate side, 
you know, as Hallie said there, the Democrats did pick up that gain in Pennsylvania, which is so significant by flipping Pennsylvania. What it means is for the Republicans to get control of the Senate, the Republicans need to pick up two Democratic seats. What's left on the board here? Wisconsin, Ron Johnson is leading there. Uh, let's say for the sake of argument here, uh, put an R there that the Republicans hang on to Wisconsin. Republicans hang on there. And again, let's say that Georgia heads to a runoff because that's what the Secretary of State is already telling us. So that leads leaves two Democratic-held targets for Republicans here, Arizona and Nevada. In Arizona, the Republican candidate, Blake Masters, is trailing right now by 107,000 votes. There are a lot of votes still to come in Arizona, but he's going to have to do exceptionally well with them to flip Arizona. The next thing we're going to learn in Arizona is probably about 9 o'clock tonight. That's going to give us a, a sense of it. And then there's Nevada, where Adam Laxalt, the Republicans, ahead by about 22,000 votes right now. If you're a Republican between these two states, you're feeling Nevada's probably your better chance than Arizona. If it were to play out that way, Democrats hang on to Arizona, Republicans get Nevada. What that would mean is the Democratic gain in Pennsylvania would be countered by the Republican gain in Nevada. Sure. And then control of the Senate would come down to that December 6th runoff in Georgia. But if Democrats just win Nevada outright, along with Arizona, then that's game, set, match. Democrats set control match. the Senate. Really quickly, Steve, you've covered so many of these. Anything surprise you at all about what you saw last night? Anything stick out? Yeah, it, it, nationally, the fact that it was such a good night for Democrats, that we're talking about House control the morning after, and the irony that if Democrats fall short on the House, the state that may do them the most damage is the blue state of New York. Huh. Yeah. They could lose, as I just said, they could lose five seats in New York. That could end up making the difference. Mm. So fascinating. Steve All right, Kornacki. Steve Kornacki. Take a nap, Steve. Take a nap. Nice. You, right, you too are so good at what you do. I know. Steve. I knew you to say. <laughs> Great to hear. All right, we'll have more results and reaction, of course, for you as they come in. You can find the very latest updates throughout the day on NBC News Daily and, of course, tonight on NBC Nightly News. Okay, so if there wasn't enough with all this election coverage, we have another big story that we're watching. Severe weather in the southeast. Tropical storm Nicole. It's expected to become a hurricane later today. You can see the surf is getting rough down there uh, in Florida, and it's likely to make landfall, perhaps as a Category 1 hurricane, close to midnight tonight on either side of that. Wind damage, flash flooding, a storm surge of about three to five feet is possible, uh, along with even more erosion to an already damaged beach after Hurricane Ian moved through. Uh, the storm itself is likely, again, to strengthen into a Category 1. This would only be the fourth ever hurricane wow. to hit the United States uh, in the month of November. Mm. So uh, either way, though, it does look like a weak Category 1 or a strong tropical storm at that point. And then it crosses the whole state of Florida, brings the rain over to Tallahassee with perhaps another landfall, and then it takes all of that rain up into the northeast as we go into Friday and Saturday. So we could even deal with flooding in the northeast with about three to four inches of rain expected. But down in Florida, besides the storm surge, you know, around West Palm Beach, yeah. up into Jacksonville. It's also um, perhaps likely that eight inches of rain could fall. So that could lead My to... My goodness. When does hurricane season end? The end of November. But okay. it, it's, it's unusual to get, yeah. you know, it is. strong storms like yeah. this. Um, and it, it's actually with the blizzard warnings out in the Northern Plains. Um, since... November 2020 that we've had blizzard warnings and hurricane warnings at issued time? at the same time. Wow. And that's oh, the goodness. only other time it's ever happened in history was 2020. Wow. All right. Well, now we're going to take you west to the West Coast where someone is very lucky this morning. Powerball officials say there was just one winner for that record. One winner. That's not even crazy. a group for that record $2 billion <laughs> jackpot in California. The ticket was just sold outside of Los Angeles at this gas station. This is in Altadena, California. The big win came after a technical issue. We talked about this in Minnesota. 
Minnesota delayed the drawing. So as of now, we don't know who won just yet. I'm sure they're calling an attorney or something, or maybe they don't <laughs> even know. Uh, but California law does require their name to be made public eventually, so they can't, they can't stay anonymous. Yeah. By the way, the lump sum, if that person chooses to take the option, is more than $997 million dollars. Uh, before taxes, even so. after taxes, even after taxes, they're going to be OK. <laughs> right. yeah. is paid for somebody. All right. Well, coming up, the Crown's highly anticipated new season. It dropped overnight. We are hearing from the cast about the criticism and how they tackled their difficult royal roles. Of course, Keir Simmons will have all of that for us when we come right back. When slayed creatures return to the land of the living, it's up to a band of unlikely heroes to re-slay them. Welcome to the Re-Slayer's Take. From the fantasy world of Critical Role, join Jasmine Bular, Jasmine Chung, Jasper Cartwright, and Caroline Lux alongside us, Game Masters Nick Williams and George Primavera, in a tabletop role-playing audio adventure using Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Adventure awaits in the Re-Slayer's Take. New episodes drop weekly on Mondays wherever you stream your podcasts. Join Hoda Kotb for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Back now, what's a big morning for fans of the Netflix hit The Crown, the highly anticipated fifth season released overnight. The new season focuses on the 1990s as the marriage of Charles and Diana falls apart. But the show's fictional take on history has faced a lot of criticism, especially in the wake of the Queen's death. NBC's Keir Simmons sat down with the cast. Keir, that's a nice assignment for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, not bad, eh? I tell you something, there are some spicy scenes in this new season, so spicy that I struggled to figure out how to ask about them. And then, of course, being Diana, there is the fashion and the heartache. Sitting down with the new cast of The Crown can be a surreal experience. Your Royal Highnesses. (laughs) Thank you. I don't know whether I should bow. (laughs) That's good. Please, just keep going. I, I, I can't. I wouldn't mind, but he doesn't do that in the film. No. (laughs) Season five portrays a rocky time for the royals. The 1990s, spotlighting the breakdown of Charles and Diana's marriage. A low point in the late Queen's long reign. This is how the crown depicts the moment Charles and Diana told the Queen it's over. This is really what you want. I do have some exclusive clips Amazingly, when I met up with the cast, they hadn't watched this scene. Have you seen this scene before? Not really. I heard you all saying that you haven't actually seen a lot of the episodes. Uh, How does it end? (laughs) (laughs) This season even shows intimate details of an explicit phone call between then Prince Charles and Camilla while they were both still married to other people. 
there's a particular scene that you play, which is, uh, how can I put this? It's, a, it's about a phone call. I'm not quite sure how we talk about this on morning TV. Maybe we don't. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe you that, skipped the next that, question. That's the, <laughs> that's the queen. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. The less of that, the better, please, yes. young man. Yes. Then, later, you can watch as Princess Diana becomes a fashion icon. Every outfit a statement. It's an entirely white tracksuit with cowboy boots with cutouts and then with a baseball cap. And I just said, that's just the most brilliant thing I've ever seen. Like the revenge dress, which was extremely, I mean, pretty incredible to, to have the recreation. The revenge and, dress. But she definitely decided to make a statement. She was really one of a kind with fashion. These are tumultuous times within the family. So, and that's very, you know, it's riches for us to play. Um, so um, these are the difficult years. And these have been difficult months for Netflix, openly criticised for blurring lines between fact and fiction, including by people close to King Charles and Queen Camilla, like acclaimed British actress, Dame Judi Dench. I think the, the public are well aware that it's a drama, it's not a documentary. Some of the criticism has come from people who are friends of Charles and Camilla. Those, those particular criticisms came from not having seen a second of, uh, of film yeah. of this series. So why, is it, why do you think they're speaking out like that when they Well, seen because, it? I mean, they, the assumption is that they, their friend, the Prince Charles, would be damaged in some way. But all we're presenting in The Crown is what happened. A window into the private lives of the world's most public family. Opening once again. You're at a gala, a royal gala, or a premiere, or, or whatever, as you know you do. And there you come face to face with the king, or maybe the queen as well. What do you say first? I think the rule is Lovely they speak first, anyway. Yeah, no, they speak first, that's right. You just easy. bow very yeah. low. Just bow. Did you see there, guys, the way that I was put in my place by yeah. Imelda Staunton, who plays the Queen is not the Queen, but frankly was almost as terrifying as the Queen. I think mm. she was joking. I hope oh, so. she was joking. For I sure. I so, but you, you handled it well, as you do, yeah. Kier. So <laughs> are all the episodes on now, Kier? They're all, they all just, uh, just dropped. dropped. That's how you say right. it, isn't it? They all yeah. dropped <laughs> today. That's yeah. how we see it over yeah. on the side of the line. Just yes. They're all dropped. We folks who are binging right now. All right. Thanks, Kier. Dropped. 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 All right. Uh, coming up next in our She Made It, Jill meets the woman behind a fashion brand that's caught the eye of some major celebs and the lesson they learned on their very first day that can help anyone starting a business. Then later, actor, actor Wendell Kier. <laughs> is here. He is making history with his latest role. We are going to sit down with him and chat all about it. So much more. So Still excited. Ahead. Mm -hmm. We are back with today's Lifestyle and Commerce contributor Jill Martin-Brooks for another edition of She Made It. I love these. What do you have for us today? Oh, this Notice how she chuckles when you say her new her married name. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm also so jazzed by this. She yes, made it. Yes. It's a great one. Okay. How many times were you told never to wear horizontal stripes because they're not mm -hmm. so flat? My grandmother's right, watching right now. She's, yes. Yes. <laughs> it's not true. It turns out there's one brand led by three incredible women that have proven that stripes, horizontal stripes, are in fact sensational. 
we go back to these pieces that make you feel great and we aim to be those pieces in your life. For Valerie McCauley, Meredith Melling, and Molly Howard, the inspiration for their clothing brand was simple. What is the DNA of Lillian? It starts and begins and ends with the stripe and the line. It's clothes that you can start off in the morning and then hopefully go to cocktails at night and still look effortless and beautiful and comfortable. In 2004, Valerie and Meredith met while working as fashion editors for Vogue. We also were really familiar with each other's work ethic. I always second guess myself and she's like so follows her gut and I knew that that was such a good you know, professional compliment, probably personal as well. They became fast friends after noticing a shared interest. We also were commuting to and from work on the subway and we'd get off and I'd be like, there were five people in stripes mm -hmm. and you know, they were all ages, sizes, you know, genders, men, women, kids. The possibilities were kind of endless. It's almost back to the basics in an elevated way. So do you think that's where fashion's going? You want to trust your clothes to, to be able to carry you through. But the pair needed someone who knew the business. So they reached out to Molly, who was head of business development for fashion label Rag & Bone. I sort of thought they were coming to me for advice and if I knew anyone who might be a good fit to be kind of the third partner. And I remember my friend said to me, they're asking you to take the job. They want you to be their third partner. They want you to be the CEO. With Molly on board, the Laline team was complete. Their goal? to create clothing that celebrates simplicity by embracing the stripe. Historically, the horizontal stripe is something that every mother, or most mothers, my mom did, said, don't wear a horizontal stripe. We do these things called founders fitting, so we all three of us try on the collection, and on other people in the office as well, different body types. And it's, you know, it's where the stripes fall, it's draping, it's fabrication. We're sitting in this store smiling and everything's beautiful on the racks, but I know that the path to success is bumpy. It's been a real journey. I mean, just to be blunt, like every day was a challenge. We were working out of Meredith's apartment. We were not paying ourselves. Yeah, I have your kids barking and your dogs. dogs. <laughs> and usually someone from design team was already in my apartment. Even when we launched our website, which was our big launch, um, all sitting around my dining room table. We had a wild first day. I mean, it was yeah. all over the press and we got so much traffic and we sold so much inventory and it was incredible. After that wild day, the brand started to take off, but not before the founders learned an important lesson. We realized something had to change about the way we were delivering product mm -hmm. because just launching a whole collection and then expecting people to come back day after day without any new noise wasn't going to work. So they began releasing new designs each week and the industry took notice. Soon celebrities like Mindy Kaling, Amy Schumer and Olivia Wilde were spotted in Laline. And in 2019, they launched their flagship boutique on Madison Avenue in New York City. The best, most successful pieces were the ones that we ended up wearing every day and that we wanted and that we could see ourselves in. Most recently, Laline partnered with Target for their 2022 fall designer collection. I'm so excited about the exposure, the size inclusivity that Target's able to offer, the price accessibility, and now we're starting to see it in the wild. I can't find it anywhere. <laughs> so dig everybody, because yeah. if you go to Target, there's yeah. like a few pieces left. Through it all, Meredith, Valerie, and Molly have stayed true to themselves. Not everyone's gonna love everything you're doing, because I think when you start trying to make everyone happy, you're just, you're inauthentic, right? That's a life lesson, though. Any other advice for young entrepreneurs out there? Always take the meeting. I love your, that's yeah. Val's favorite advice, and it's true. And it's true. Yeah. It's just, you, you never know when the next great 
thunderbolt might arise mm. from. And you know why I love these? It's like you come up with an idea and then you're missing puzzle pieces and you say, we need this, we need that. And that's where a true entrepreneur is. You know what you don't know and then you surround yourself with With the best. When I first started working for Pat Riley, that's what he said to me. He said, I'm good at a lot of things, but the things I'm not good at, I'm not threatened and I hire the best people. Is that the common thread you've noticed? You do a lot of stories with entrepreneurs, obviously, that she made it. Do you find that's the common thread for a lot of them? I think knowing, being confident and knowing in life, knowing what you don't know. Mm-hmm. is where you're triumphant. Yeah. Right. That was good, Great. Jill. Good morning, Thank, Brooks, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jill. Up next, look who's here. Actor Wendell Pierce live in 1A. Hear about the groundbreaking new role that even his 97-year-old father wow. couldn't miss on opening night. What a blessing. We'll talk about it. And then later, what if I told you you could run a 5K and we could make you do it in six weeks? Does that sound good? Sure. We're going to help you. You're going to do a 5K? Start something? today, yes, when the third hour is yeah. Did you just commit to that? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Our next guest has an acting career spanning nearly four decades. Ah, yes. So we know Wendell Pierce for his roles on the small screen as Detective Monk Moreland in The Wire and on the big screen as civil rights activist Jose Williams in Selma. Detective Monk's still one of my favorite characters. You were just talking about that. Well, now Mr. Pierce has returned to Broadway, and it is an amazing historic revival of the classic Death of a Salesman with the first ever black Loman family at center stage. Of course, he plays Willie Loman. Mm. That's my yes. favorite stage play of all time. Oh, thank so you. excited to come and see it! I've been a big fan of yours for a long time. Thank you very so, much. So, just give give us and our viewers a glimpse in into this this remade version mm. of Death of a Salesman. Well, we are doing Death of a Salesman. We are doing the play, but everything is heightened. Uh, the the pursuit of the insurmountable. Uh, attainment of the American dream that Arthur Miller was um, examining in the play is heightened because it's an African-American family in 1949. Mm. And we all know uh, all the obstacles that were placed in front of those uh, uh, those communities uh, at that time. Mm-hmm. And so um, everything in the play that spoke to people 70 plus years ago speaks to us today even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a deeper dive. It, 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 it envelops even more of the pain and the anguish that uh, Willie Loman goes through and the psychological self-destruction mm-hmm. that happens. Um, it it, it uh, magnifies and amplifies all the themes that Arthur Miller put in the play in the beginning. I want to talk about your dad. He's 97 years old. Yes. You, you flew him in yes. for the show. Uh, what is it like for him? I know you thanked him for the gift of love and time. But yes. I mean, how how did this resonate with him? Uh, to think that my father came to New York in 1947 to study photography. Ooh. Two years before the play was written. Uh, he fought in Saipan in World War II. Wow. Uh, fought for the country that he loves uh, at a time when the country didn't love him back. Mm. And he is emblematic of what Willie Loman was going through at the time. Oh. And for him to know that he has gotten to a place and fought for his family mm-hmm. to make sure that he had gave us a wonderful life that he can see his son, his youngest son, now center stage on Broadway, yeah. playing one of the most iconic roles in the American canon, that all that he had sacrificed and had done was important. And I wanted to honor him that night mm-hmm. of my opening. 97 years old. Uh, and he was uh, he was just moved and touched as oh, I was. Oh, I was able to kiss goodness. him and love him. And uh, oh. To, oh. to know that at these golden years in his life that he was mm-hmm. able to see that, that all the sacrifice and mm. the work yeah. and the dedication oh and goodness. 
That's uh, everything. It That's paid everything. off. That's what it's all about. Speaking of support, I was just looking at the name. So many of your film and TV co-stars have, have supported you. Come to see the show. Michael J. Fox, yes. Angela Bassett, John Krasinski, to name a few. What has the reaction been like even backstage or just for you? Uh, it, it's great. You know, uh, uh, Sharon D. Clark is uh, is playing Linda Lohman. Uh, she lives in London. She said one of the things I... I really love about this production. We did it in London before. She said, so many of your mates are coming back. Oh, that's great. Uh, which that's was really great. great. And, you know, you're in a community of artists that have come. You know, Jessica Chastain came the other mm-hmm. night. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really wonderful to see that people are coming, one, to see this great play, and then, two, to support an actor who is given an opportunity to uh, play this iconic role, Willie Loman. Yeah. It happens once in a generation, every mm. only 10 years, every 10 years. Uh, and I am humbled and honored Great. to be the, the person that will be able to leave their mark on this generation's uh, incarnation sure. of Death of a Salesman mm-hmm. on Broadway. You've also got like 16 other things you're working on as well. <laughs> so we should talk about uh, James Green. Uh, yes, you're, you're back. You're, uh, as I understand, you're back yes, for another we're season. We're back for another season. Uh, you know, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. Yeah, uh, on Amazon, and uh, we uh, we start December 21st. Okay. And this is uh, I have been living in Budapest. Uh, I was wondering Hungary. how much uh, travel you have to do. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've, I've been uh, living in Budapest, working in Vienna and Prague oh, and Athens goodness. and Rome. You know, so it's a really it's uh, it's an awful job. It's, <laughs> that's one thing about Wendell Pierce. Range. Like you, mean, do you still play the trombone too? I know you. I, I play like a fifth grader. I, I, you know, I had yeah. to learn. I That's was in awesome. New Orleans, you know, so I tried to. Uh, oh, tried to Wendell. Do it. Wendell Pierce. Thank you so Thank much. You. you can catch Death of a Salesman on Broadway at the Hudson Theater uh, for a limited time. It's going to be there for a few more months. We'll be there. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. All right, coming up, we are getting a workout and learning the easy exercises that will help you get to a 5K in just a matter of weeks. Then a little bit later, of course, we're going to eat because Matt Bittman <laughs> is here, and he's going to show us two 30-minute recipes that will just save your weeknights a whole lot of time. We'll that looks right good. Back. Mm-hmm. That's the apple crisp. Oh, is that what you were- Hey guys, Willie Geist here, reminding you to check out the Sunday Sit-Down Podcast. On this week's episode, I get together with Emily Blunt to talk about the award season chatter around her performance in Oppenheimer, her penchant for napping anytime, anyplace, and a question from her husband, John Krasinski. You can get our conversation now for free wherever you download your podcasts. Hi everyone, I'm Jenna Bush Hager from Today with Hoda and Jenna and the Read with Jenna Book Club. There's nothing I love more than sharing my favorite reads with all of you, except maybe talking to the exceptional authors behind these stories. And that's what I'll be doing on my podcast, Read with Jenna. I'll be introducing you to some of my favorite writers. These conversations will leave you feeling inspired and entertained. To start listening, just search Read with Jenna wherever you get your podcasts. So just last week, Mr. Roker kicked off our November Start Today Walking Challenge, sponsored by Easy Spirit at Universal in Orlando. Yes, and now we are helping you run or walk a 5K. So here with some pointers is Runner's World Magazine coach, PJ Thompson. PJ! PJ! Yes, yes, Hi, thank PJ. you. Thank okay, you. Okay, so before thank we get to some me. moves, you, you stress the importance of 
form. Mm-hmm. Why is proper form like where you should start? Absolutely. So regardless if you are from a 5K to Olympian, form will keep you from injuring yourself. It'll keep you from overexerting yourself in terms mm-hmm. of energy. So it okay. helps you remain efficient okay. when it comes to running. So it's important to start with your form. Okay. Yeah. So with that, I mean, getting into Let's our first it. one. The Hulk. Uh, our very first in terms of form, when I think about relaxing those shoulders, okay. Okay. standing proud, we're tall, again, feeling good. And then okay. also with our arm swing, we're swinging our arms at about 45 degree angles. So oh. your hands are coming about chest height. So you're not okay. way up when here When we're walking anything. or running? Walking or running. Okay. Yes. So you're not, okay. you know, your hands don't so need to be up like too high. Like the robot. Like the robot. Yeah. A little bit. I can see those speed walkers. Yeah. And, they... yeah. and then as you land, you don't want to like over stride. So your okay. feet are only landing slightly in front of you. Okay. So again, I see some again, people nice and proud. Like, are we, like, a little, as you pick it up a little okay. bit, you're kind of on the balls of your feet, but okay. you don't need to, you definitely don't need okay. to get on your, yeah. There's, it's okay to go here. Let's do another exercise. We're ready. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. So getting okay. into that first one, bear hug. We can all use a hug. Yeah. So again, giving ourselves a hug. We're kind of walking those fingers back and okay. feeling that shoulder nice. width That's apart. So this nice. is nice, That's isn't okay. it? Okay. You don't hug yourself enough. I mean, we start the day like that. So we're leaning to our left first. Okay. What are you doing? So this is waking that core up. So often neglected, but that core, we then come back center, lean to our right. Like flat tummy, flat tummy. And we feel it, we feel it in the middle. And then one more time, left and then right. Come on. So again, from upper body, get into those legs. So again, it's, we want to work our ways down. So we're just going to put one foot out front, toe pointed up, and I'm just sweeping with my hands. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Sweeping with my hands through my hamstrings, calf, and then up. Waking up that backside a little bit. Wake them up, wake them up. Okay. Sweeping through that hamstring and that's it. It actually feels good. You know, bad form. We don't make ourselves running or walking a 5k. We don't make so. What what is this whole thing about you know somebody being able to to run or walk a a 5k in six weeks? Is that attainable? Yeah, it it absolutely is. So you want to make sure from form, as I mentioned, and avoiding injury, that you don't go into your plan too fast or ease into it. So walking or running a 5k in six weeks, absolutely doable. Chanel is going to run a a full marathon next year. Absolutely. I hadn't announced it yet, so thank you, Craig. Yes, it's out there. It's oh, out there no, now. She's, she's yeah, full she marathon. So a 5K would be probably be a good start for her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good start. It helps you become familiar with the whole yeah. race vibe and everything. Yeah. So we are good. so excited DJ, about this marathon. thank you so much for coming in. And for all of the thank hundreds you. of thousands of people who have signed up for the Start Today Walking Challenge, they're kind of ready to level up. They want to do more. So a 5K yeah. is yeah. totally realistic for all of you. In fact, yes. if you want to join the challenge and sign up for our newsletter, you can scan the QR code right there on your screen or head to today.com slash start today. Anyone can join. There's still time. Anyone, Thank you, PJ. Anyone. And these exercises, by the way, yeah. are today.com slash health. health. Uh, right. Up next, Thanksgiving staples without the time commitment. Our buddy Mark Bittman making a speedy version of apple pie mm. and homemade biscuits. Perfect for your marathon training. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. We'll, the carb load starting we'll be, now. We'll be yeah. right back. 30 minutes, too. Right before we go in the air, Craig goes, this is good. (laughs) This morning on Today Food, quick and easy cooking is the name of the game. Mark Bittman is the best-selling author of over 30 cookbooks, and now he's out with a revised version of How to Cook Everything Fast with all the recipes in the book, which everybody's raving about, by the way. Thank you. Everything in the book is 30 minutes or less. Who doesn't love that? Right? Good morning to you. People who like to waste their time. I told you the last time you were here on the show, I actually went home that night and made what you created. So I'm ready. You're my favorite host. I what can it. I say? Yay. All right. So um, we're going to make okay. biscuits. Drop biscuits. Drop biscuits. You think they're hard. Most people do. I do. They're not. I mean, dough and all that's a lot. Right. <laughs> dough. So dough is flour and baking powder and baking right, soda and salt and pepper. Okay. You need chilled butter. 
Okay. That's um, a secret. Check, check, and check. Could be frozen even. Okay. Really. And um, you just want to. Which blade are you using? You just want to use the regular steel blade. She's like, which blade are you using? I'm over here like, okay, just push on. This is kind of chop that up. All right. And then you put. Do you have this to is have buttermilk. Do you have to have a... I mean, you could do this by hand, but we are trying to talk easy, right? Minutes, right? So. I actually have one you of You don't have one of those? No, I'm proud of myself. I have one. And then you do this until it looks like this. <laughs> okay. okay. Done. And then you could use an ice cream scoop. You can use two spoons like to shape these, yeah. but I do this. Yeah. Oh, you don't have to roll it out? Or you don't have to do anything. So that's that's the why they're called I drop s- biscuits. I assumed it was, you know, you know having to knead no, it and all drop that. Drop biscuits. And you want to keep them small because... They, they cook faster, mm. and then they stay beautifully crisp okay. like this on the outside. Okay. This is just a mixture of mustard and jam, That's apricot jam, Wait, chutney. Mustard and jam? And then you get mm. this. How is that, guys? It's delicious. So I mean, they're raving the about They are raving. So you do... Mustard. Is that a thing? Mustard and jam? Yeah, yeah it's, it's a, a thing. thing. It's a thing. That's All a right. Bitman sauce. It's Any kind of ham or no? Well, any kind of good ham. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now we're going to move on okay. to the next thing. I'm going to try this while you start on that. So the next oh, one yeah, is apple. Good, something. good. You eat a biscuit. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> oh. I know, right? Eat a biscuit. This that is good when you smack somebody's arm. I it's good, right? So good. Mm. All right. What are we making so now? this is diced apples. Okay. I like to leave the skins on, actually, but these are off. But but uh, honey crisp and golden delicious. The but they can one. be any mixture. Okay. And you're going to saute those. So the idea of this is it's an apple crisp in two pans. Okay. So much easier and faster. Okay. While that's cooking, you add a little water so it doesn't burn. Just a little burn. bit of butter and that's it, right? While that's cooking, we make like an apple crisp topping. How do we do that? So that's, let's do it in the right order. Okay. Oats. Check. Into the butter. Right. Into, this is a fair amount oh, of butter. I know, you know. it looks so good. Oats. Oh, it's not low fat. Walnuts. Uh, walnuts. Okay. Coconut. Okay. Oh, coconut. That's what it is. Brown sugar. You guys didn't oh, see the sugar. taste of coconut in there? We'll have another biscuit. This mm. is. What is that? Cinnamon? Yep. All right. And just a little Woo! bit. Of Got that one. A little bit of salt. And then just. Cook that until it's crisp, until it's like that. Okay, this is what it's So that's like. basically granola, so right? I bet you this by itself is delightful. Mm-hmm. I bet it is. Oh, have you tried this by itself? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he has. Yes. <laughs> this is dangerous. Before I even get to the apple on top, I that's the problem. I it's make good. an apple crisp and I just eat all oh, the crisp. Oh, that's good. Right, and so this is, that. yeah, you know, we're going to... We're going to eat this afterwards, so we got to do this. So you wind up with something that looks like this, this. Mm -hmm. or something that looks like this. Can I try it um, now? It's your show, you you know. How long do you um, do that? This is like five minutes, seven. Oh, quick. Yeah, yeah. Mm. We're going to cook this. You got 30 cookbooks? So this is why you have 30 cookbooks. 30. Well... This is why they're yep. good, I think. Yeah, I was about to tell you to receive Be it. Be okay to have five as long as they're Mark, good also. Mark, you did it again. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. Very Enjoy useful. it, guys. Again, How to Cook Everything Fast is out now. And if you want these recipes and more, head to today.com mm. slash food. This is so yummy. So good. We'll be right back. Just a biscuit that's pillow. Thank you for joining us on this Wednesday. Coming up tomorrow, who's here, Craig? Finny. Finny Sin's here. <laughs> Finny Sin is here with an important new series. But first, actress and singer Kiki Palmer sits down with Hoda and Jenna. That's coming up next. We're going to see you back here tomorrow with Finny. Finny Sin's here tomorrow. Have a great day. Finny.